Hello, hello, you have reached the Blacker the Berry podcast, and this is Art is Healing with Amber Newsome. Hey girl, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Good. So would you like to just introduce yourself real quick, tell us where you're from, give us your social medias? <laughs> For sure. Um, so my name is Amber. I also go by 2AM. Um, I am an artist based out of Oakland, California, and my Instagram handle is 2-A-A-B-E-N-A, 2-A-B-E-N-A. Lit. <laughs> um, so I usually like to give a little overview of like how we met. I can't, how, how did we meet? Oh, I remember. It was at Fantasia, right? Yes, it was at Fantasia. It was like some event at Fantasia. And for those who don't know, Fantasia was this co-op house um, in Oakland. And um, it was a really large space. So there used to be like events there all the time. But I lived there for some time. But this was before I even lived there. I think this was when one of my friends was living there. And I just was had come to hang out. Um, but yeah, that... I, that was such a time in life. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've continued to like stay connected since then. And that one time that I was couch surfing and those, you knew those people that I was couch surfing with. That was hilarious. <laughs> um, so have you ever been on a podcast before? No, actually I have not. I have not been on a podcast. That makes me so excited. I'm like, yes, okay. I'm your first podcast. Let's go. <laughs> and so, um, you would be, I think, my third installment for Art is Healing. Um, my first person from um, the Bay Area to do the Art is Healing series. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited and I love, love, love your work in general. Like, Aww. it's so beautiful. That's why I'm always posting it, of course. I'm like, okay, y'all need to know. Y'all need to know what's up because look at this. This is from spirit right here, period. Oh, so sweet. So sweet. <laughs> um, so what has been your experience with art as healing? Like, using art in a way to help yourself heal to maybe help others heal like what has been your experience um you know ever since I was young I've always like had the I guess the um blessing of knowing that I was an artist or being an artist I guess Mm -hmm. um and so I always used to just like spend a lot of time alone um if I ever got like my heart broken or like if something really devastating ever happened to me um you know, somebody passed away, I always just kind of locked myself away and made art. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was kind of always the way I meditated through what I was dealing with. Yeah. Um, And then I guess uh, over time, it became more of an illustrative narrative. It Mm. became like a a conversation. Um, So I think when I got to be like in my older college years, because I like 
bounced around a lot, like I still am bouncing through college. Um, yeah. I, I ran into oh, some beautiful, powerful women, and they were like women who made murals. Um, and they were murals that had conversations about what was going on in various different economic and political landscapes across the Bay Area. Um, and they had been doing it for years, and they had been teaching classes. And so I just was like, I want to do this. This is, like, important. This needs yeah. to happen. Um, and then I saw people who did that who looked like me, like, and it was in, like, creative form, like Charles White. Um, yes, Charles White. All, Charles White is, like, <laughs> I love him. He's such an inspiration. Yes, the first time I ever seen Charles White was, um, I was when I was living in L.A., and I probably had seen him before then, but like just up close and personal because I lived down the street from the CAM, the uh, African-American Museum in South Central. Man, I used to go there all the time <laughs> just to yeah. go and sit with his art like, yes. <laughs> see, uh, uh, that's be- see, that's beautiful for me because like for me, like um, I've, I've been in art school, like I went to art high school, middle school, mm-hmm. um, and then still have continued to study art in various realms. Yes. And it's so rare that I find a black artist that, um, just like, I mean, I find a lot of people who I'm like, Ooh, that's lit. That's dope. That's tight. But then like somebody who sits me down and makes me want to sit with myself and mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. that's like a, a whole nother meditative healing aspect of art like what you just said like I wanted to sit with those paintings mm-hmm. like that person's like not even in this world anymore you're still sitting with them facts and so many different realms of art too because they also had an exhibit of his at um the LACMA um that was just oh my goodness it was like he it was some printing like some printing work that he was doing um, but it focused on black people and it was just uh, the thing I used to love about going to see his work at the camp is during the week, it wasn't always a lot of people at the camp. Sometimes I would yes. just go in there and it would be nobody, but me and the person who worked there and I would just go and just sit in the room and just like chill and just look and just be like, uh, woo. Yeah. <laughs> it gives me no, chills. Like, like thinking about it. I'm like, yes. That's actually funny that you say that because uh one of my openings was canceled because of everything that's going on right now mm-hmm. um and but like uh they had extended gallery hours because it was like the beginning where everyone wasn't we didn't have a shelter in place yet yeah and like the people there were like a you know a handful of people like maybe like 20 people that actually came through but like in the beginning it was just us artists and we were mm. able to like walk around and see everything and like really be with the work like and it was really really nice you know what yeah I mean? and your that show was at soma soma arts right and sf soma arts. yeah and yeah SF. yeah it's still up <laughs> yeah i don't know when we're gonna take it down actually but it's still up right now technically so I hope that they keep it up, you know, so that people can actually enjoy after all of this. Like, I really do. Well, yeah, actually, uh, it's actually an entire show created by black artists Mm. that all have created work surrounding art is healing. Like, 
Yes. Yes. What is it called again? It's called Unbound Roots. Unbound Roots. Yes. Yes. Uh, Yeah. I wish I could. I I am going to be in May. Well, I'm trying to go to L.A., but I definitely want to come to the Bay because you know I love the Bay. I love the Bay so much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when you talk about just like that kind of shift from like doing art mostly when well I guess you never got to finish really talking about the fact that um you grew up doing art and then you went to school high school like a performing arts high school right and then you continued did you want to expand more on that or um well I first let me say like the women who I, I encountered Juana Alicia she was one of my mentors and she connected me with the women who designed the women's building mm. um so for years I was able to like create public murals with them and then also well, with Juana and then also assist her and then because of that I was able to help them restore the women's building so I kind of saw this, like, blueprint of how I could be an artist um, if I just, like, you know, kind of focused, mm-hmm. you know? Life does uh, have its, its gears, but they were all, like, really powerful women, and they were all doing art and making money off of it, but yeah. also giving, they're also giving back to community in the mm-hmm. process of caring for themselves with their crafts. Yeah, you know, it took... And just, it's not really a segue, but just uplifting what you were saying about finding people that could show you that you could be a working artist, you know. I also went to school. My dad's a visual artist, and I still consider myself a visual artist. Still need to, I I need to get back into it. But um, I spent so much of my childhood just drawing all day, every day. And then I did go to a performing arts high school, and... I remember that's what I wanted to do. I was like, I want to be a working artist, right? But I didn't know who to look to to kind of see that, you know? Um, And, I mean, there were people in my community who were doing art, but I guess it was never explicitly like a conversation like this is something you can do. And, you know, like my dad growing up, he... He did a lot of airbrush stuff, like, and he had his own shop, and he used to, like, I used to go to work with him. And um, that's, you know, like, in the 90s, how big airbrush was. Oh, my God. Everybody wanted their kids <laughs> airbrush, everything. I want oh an airbrush goodness. portrait of myself. Video. I want an airbrush, like, je- jean outfit with the jacket and the pants and then whatever. You know, I got this hat. I want you to do. Put left eye on it. So my dad was working, working, you know, and I remember going to work with him and being like, oh, word. Like, even though that wasn't the form of art that I was doing, but love my mom to death like I mean partially she kind of talked me out of it she was like can you really make money doing that is that a possible you know what I mean and then after going to high school and having to do it every day forcefully it it kind of like made me step away from it you know and there are times that I really miss it and so I'm the reason why I'm saying this is because it's just to uplift the fact that it is so important to have people around you and see that actually come to life in that way as working artists. 
not that it, it it cannot be easy, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I still have a day. Well, I had a day job. And so, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, everybody's also different, you know, like it's also, why do you create and what kind of artist are you? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I'm not, um, I'm like a larger based artist. Like mm-hmm. at this point, like I don't work as small as I used to anymore, which takes a lot of time, takes more money. Um, takes a little bit more energy mm-hmm. um you know your medium is everything too and i am starting to be more of like a wood and canvas person only these days so. mm-hmm. word yeah i mean i know like do you want to talk a little bit about like your brand and like what that looks like and how you feel like that may be healing to you or others or you know um for sure yeah um so in terms of like my brand um the way that I would describe what I do is I'm a a public artist uh now when I say public art um I mean, like, my art is for the people. My art is for for everyone. It's Mm -hmm. for me because I'm creating it for me in the Mm -hmm. process. But the moment I put work on the wall, um, if it's going to be a a mural, it belongs to the street. It belongs to you. Mm -hmm. Um, The work I do on canvas, usually, like, gallery-based work or installation work, um, that works a little bit more personal. Mm -hmm. And I use... I use all of my work really kind of to, uh, to uplift everyone, but honestly to like tell stories about black people. Mm-hmm. That's what my work is about. Yeah. I don't feel like we see ourselves enough. I feel like there's not enough explorative work based on our histories or our legends and our myths, which are just as empowering as the actual, you know, basis of things that historically have happened to us. Yes. Um, I, like a lot of people always wonder why I create um, why I always am painting gods and goddesses and mm-hmm. I'll never forget this this white man once asked me why are you are you gonna paint anything other than black people today and I was like oh well, if I was white you wouldn't ask me that question <laughs> at all um, right right so but I always paint African gods and goddesses because we always hear about these stories about all these greek and roman gods Mm -hmm. we never get to hear about our own gods and goddesses which Mm -hmm. are our orishas right yeah um and those things are so empowering like if you were a little if you were a little black child and you knew that there were like countless amounts of gods that looked like you that created the stars the moon the plants you know like that you had somebody different you could pray to every single night. Like, you would be like, your mind would be blown low-key. It would change the way you grew up. You would be like, God looks like me. That's so God real. Is, I think God is everything. <laughs> even, like, and to touch on that, even learning about that as an adult, my inner child felt very comforted. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because I am a believer that you know, we are always showing up as our inner child, whether it's the triumphs or the trauma, you know, and often like that very thing. I remember like just moving to the Bay and just learning more about Orishas and like being like, wow, this feels really good. Like 
to know that there is a part of me that is a part of them, you know? And like before I couldn't say that I knew anything about that, you know? And it's, it comes along the same line or around like, are you going to paint black people today, every day or today? Or, you know, it's like, I used to ask myself that as a young person in school, even when we learned about different artists, I was like, are we going to talk about white artists every day? <laughs> you know, <Right>. like, <laughs> I, can I get a sprinkle? <laughs> can I get something here? <laughs> like, I remember like my art teacher having us do this project on Romare Bearden and oh my god, I remember just feeling so much fucking joy because I was like, wait, <sighs> what? <laughs> like, you know, I'm not from New York City, but I'm I'm from New York State, and to like learn about this artist that was from New York, and he's like focusing on Black life, especially Black yes. ur- urban life. I was like, oh my goodness! Like the empowerment you get and the healing that you get just from that, you know. And those yes. are moments I never forget. Like, well, uh, you know what it is also there's a moment where you think to yourself, you recognize that, right? Like, mm-hmm. you recognize that you see pieces of yourself in it because in Romare Bearden's collages, you see the wallpaper from your grandma's house. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you see, you know, these little motifs of, of your, your peace yeah. in your life. And-, and the thing that is crazy about it is until then, you didn't realize that that was worthy of being made art. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, it's like, hey, this is just what happens and this is just life. But like, this story isn't to be highlighted. You know? It's just like, whatever. Right. And then, you know, but that's one of the biggest reasons why I started this podcast. I said every single story, especially about, you know, black people and people of color matters so much nothing is too small of a story like and like like you were saying that's what Romare Bearden did and like I really gravitated to the fact that it was mixed media too you know what I mean like that part I it's I that's a medium that I really, really, really am kind of obsessed with. <laughs> and I don't know. It just, I feel like it kind of, in the most way, kind of shows the the many parts that it takes to build something. That's kind of how I also feel about Impressionist art. But I, I had to have you on because I really do, that's something I really do love about your art is that it does focus on the storytelling and... And, and the lives of black people, black gods, goddesses, orishas, like that is something that is worth highlighting and is so important. You know, like, just like you were saying, like not that our stories of pain should not also be talked about, but not, it should not exclusively be the only thing that is talked about. So. <laughs> yeah so i was like in the uh in your color schemes too your color schemes your lines like oh that's so funny my I'll be color like, schemes you know over the years i have toned it down yeah 
Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Alexa thinks I'm talking to her. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, mind your business, okay? <laughs> All right. She, she quieted down. Um, <laughs> my bad. Um, You're fine. No, I've, uh, I've toned it down over the years uh, and started working with, like, three or four, like, main colors. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's really interesting because over the last year, I've done a lot of, I've read, revisited some fine art um, attributes of creation, like uh, portraiture and like nudes, like figure drawings. Mm -hmm. Um, And like working with raw materials is something that I like fell out of a relationship with a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like falling back in love with working with like raw charcoals and pastels right now. So it's like, it's a really funny conversation because like I love working with color, but right now I have this painting in my studio that's literally black, white, and brown, and I don't want to paint anything else. Yeah. And it's nothing like I've ever done. And I feel so, I feel like right now I'm in such a style that uh, it's a little hard to like walk away and to play with other things because mm-hmm. um, people recognize me as that you know right I mean I um, think yeah but you said you also do it for yourself so you know yeah that's true that's true uh, besides I feel like everyone will come with me anyway mm-hmm. I'll be so. there hey <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we kind of already talked about this question, but I mean, if you want to say more about it, um, basically was, why do you feel like this topic of art is healing is so important to our community? Like, I mean, I mean, yeah, aside from what, I mean, I definitely would love to like, at least, uh, revisit, um, this topic again, Mm -hmm. uh, Aside from what I've already said, I just feel like even, even myself, um, like that experience that you were expressing about going to museums and seeing your work, like I wouldn't be an artist if I didn't have the examples of all of the artists from Mm -hmm. the Renaissance or, um, you know, I hate, it's so frustrating to me, uh, that I can't like, um, I'm just going to say it, you know, growing up, I watched the Cosby show. Yeah. um, And I watched a different world and they always showcase black art and black culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like that was the generation before me, Mm -hmm. like leaving a visual time capsule for me to like be empowered and for me to feel proud. And that alone is, mm-hmm. is so healing because you can't really get anywhere if you don't have that as a black person. That is true. That is um, true. But I'm also in the space now where I have to, it's like my duty as an artist to leave that capsule mm-hmm. um, for the next generation and to like sort of give them the running torch. Um, so I really kind of see myself as like saying things, like speaking up for people who don't have a voice Mm because most of the time when I'm putting something on a wall it's giving us such a large group of people an eye at a different perspective that Mm. may not be one that they know about um but I'm also 
putting us on. Um, and yeah, that's basically what it is. Like, I just have to keep putting my ancestors on, putting my gods and goddesses on, you know, putting my friends on to things that they don't know about their histories and hopefully putting, you know, the youth on. And that's pretty much as healing as it can get because if we don't know ourselves, then we can't go anywhere. Facts. Um, I had wrote, well, I was explaining, I made like a little short video about like just the art of storytelling and the tradition of storytelling. And when you just said that, it made me think of that as far as like, it allows us to move through the present, past, and the future, you know, telling these stories, but it also allows us to see what we can do what we can do with the time that we have now, you know? And, like, art has definitely always been that. And I remember I did, like, one time this lesson with... I was at this school. It was called Native American Magnet in Buffalo, New York. And I so a good chunk of my kids were refugee immigrant, Native black and latin and i I remember i did this project it was i mean it was a lot of translating going on that and that became like you know a thing that i had to do because you know i wanted all of the kids to get the information but i took a poem from langston hughes and a poem from the tupac's poem book and what was it called um Langston used one was called As I Grew. And then I think one of the most famous poems from Tupac in that book is uh, Rose That Grew From Concrete. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, I was like, I don't know, they could take this so many different ways, but will they see how similar these two are? And I remember it just being such a captivating ass conversation. And this was seventh grade. But I was like, that moment, you know, like, and I know you have to feel that way when people see your art that moment when you're like, damn, yes, you got something from this and you got what I kind of, I wanted you to get from it too. Like, you know, like, um, you know, okay. It's, um, it's weird. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, I'll, I'll be 1000 for me. Um, for me, it's really weird. Like, I would love it if I could just be invisible mm. and, like, watch and watch people uh, experience it without being there sometimes. Mm. And sometimes sometimes I have. Like, um, but I, I'll tell you, like, it's, it's not that it's bad. Like, it's a great feeling, but it's so overwhelming that, some, like, yeah. I don't even know if it reads for people how I feel because I'm kind of just, like, stuck. <laughs> like it, it's never really changed and I think yeah I think as I've gotten older as I've gotten older it's happened more because obviously you know like my work and my desire to have those exchanges with people has changed mm-hmm. uh, um and I'll never I'll never forget there's um so like I always tell people about this because it's probably like the most insane experience I've ever had as an artist but when I cut my hair after yeah. Black Woman has got uh, opening, and um, that experience was crazy. It was amazing, but I never, 
I don't get to tell people this story, which is like more crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were having like an artist talk and there were like, it was very like small and intimate. And there were these two women who were walking through to all the pieces. And um, this woman came over with uh, Karen Seneferu, who was like the curator of the show Mm -hmm. and the the creator of the show. Um, And she basically walked over and um, told me, she was like, oh, you should talk to her about your piece. And so I was just telling her about how I, like, cut off all of my hair, Mm -hmm. like, 10 years worth of locks in front of a room full of people. I remember that. (laughs) I was at that show. (laughs) It was a lot. I didn't know I was going to do that. uh, Yeah. Until, like, a week before the show. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I did it because I was like, all right, I need to, like, have this experience. If I'm going to do it, this is how I'm going to do it, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I was just going through things. I think it was about, like, reaffirming my identity publicly more mm-hmm. so than it was about, like, me cutting off my hair. Like, yeah. I was, like, releasing a lot in that time. And I just, like, kind of wanted to, like, say something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I, I feel like that was the only like I feel like people saw like so many people saw that as a cry for help, mm. and then so many people saw it as like oh my god this girl is so strong and like I guess a little all of it was a little bit of the same thing but not really necessarily I guess um, yeah uh, and I came out much happier afterwards like yeah. I came out feeling more empowered by doing it afterwards but this woman um i was telling her about this experience and uh she started crying and this was like after nobody was there this was like a, a small tiny like we hadn't even started the artist talk and she started crying and she took off her wig and apparently she had like lost her hair because she mm. had been like unhealthy and dealing with a lot of different things and she was ashamed of it um and she, like, always covered her hair up. And she, like, was sitting there asking me, like, she kept asking me, like, why would you cut off all your hair? Why would you cut off all your hair? And I was like, because I don't need it. Like, I'm still beautiful without it. I'm, like, I'm, I'm the same person without it. It doesn't matter. And when I said that to her, she just started crying. And she was, wow. like, she was like, I didn't feel like I was beautiful without it. Mm. <laughs> and, like, that feeling was, like, insane. <laughs> Yeah. Because, um, you know, you always try to talk sense into your elders. And sometimes Facts. you can't. Sometimes they're just, like, caught in these old standards of beauty or these old ideologies mm-hmm. about who they should be. And then, like, you sit there in front of them and you do something to show them and they, like, can't argue with you. Yeah. You're like, look um, it. I can do it. You can do it. Yeah, you can do it. Was, <laughs> even just talking about it right now is, like, making my heart race. I can't even so imagine. Insane. <laughs> I can't even imagine. You know, but like you at that moment, she felt com- comfortable enough and like so moved that she even shared that with you. You know, like. like I mean, any other day, uh, a black woman who snatches off their wig, we're fighting. <laughs> or making a joke online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But. That was a, a beautiful moment. Yeah. I love it. I love it. 
grateful. Yes. Mm, thanks for sharing that. I mean, You're like, welcome. yes. <laughs> um. So, I mean, you've already touched on this too. I was going to ask the question, how do you use art as a platform for educating community about important issues? And we, you know, if you want to add to that, you can, but we, I feel like we have also, you've touched on that a few times already. Um, I can, I can for sure give you at least a few examples of yeah. how I have done it. Um, so aside from, uh, some of the murals I've helped, uh, various different programs create so I've uh, assisted and helped design and execute like a group mural through what used to be the teen center the Berkeley um I don't I think it's still the Berkeley teen center and at Realm Charter School there's two murals at both one at both of those locations that I helped design one of them is actually an interactive mural that kids can actually learn about various different ways to help their community through different organizations that are started by kids. Yeah. Um, uh, another way I do so is um, I actually work with, well, in the past, I haven't worked with them in a while, but we're still we're still tight. It's still good. Um, uh, political gridlock. So years ago when the Occupy movement was going on, I was mm-hmm. like really down for like doing political posters and printing them at protests so that people could use them for, for you know, as the base of their protests. Yeah. Um, so we, God, we did so many different posters. Like we did so many different Occupy posters. We did Mayday posters. Um, I think the poster that we are no- most known for that I helped design was the Oscar Grant poster. Yeah. Uh, um, which is like, you know, in the moment when you do things like that, you don't really think about it, how big the impact of it is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but people, like I run into people till this day who still have those posters. Wow. Um, yeah, which it's, that's actually a beautiful feeling. Um, aside from that, um, right now I'm actually a part of a fellowship. It is, a fellowship of African peoples throughout the diaspora. So they're from everywhere. Yeah. Um, And it's basically a fellowship that engages artists from various platforms of creativity Mm -hmm. to uh, engage in a conversation on how to improve on African relationships. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm working, I actually just finished my proposal for, the piece um Mm -hmm. it's a really big painting i don't know how i'm gonna finish it yeah Um, (laughs) it's called acceptance but it's about like some of the things the struggles and the issues we've been through that we have to sort of work through to build as an african and you know diasporic community Mm -hmm. um and it also like you know shares some of our you know myths and legends and you know things to celebrate as well as like you know a blueprint on how we can heal our relationships word that's so important like oh man that's so important i was recently having a conversation with one of my best friends and we also did an interview about this but we were just talking about the migration of black people and also like he's um he originally is from um Nigeria and he just talked about his story of you know community and we did get on a conversation about you know of course 
um, African American and 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 you know African relationships and kind of things we may learn from our parents or elders about each other and how that shapes our relationships currently. So yes, I just I love to hear that that work is being done, you know, and is happening, and especially through art, like fucking beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah um there's some actually really dope things that are coming out of it as well you guys should stay tuned because we're supposed to have a, a show in june but like with mm-hmm. the covid i'm not sure when the show will fall mm-hmm. into place but there's like dancers performers there's videos there's like poets so it's going to be a really interesting uh, variety of conversations on how that topic should go. Word. Yes, y'all stay tuned now. Get into <laughs> it, honey. Okay? <laughs> um. So, what is a view that you hold that may not be as popular among the mainstream? Oh, I knew that you were going to ask this question, and I still, like... <laughs> There's a lot of, like, uh, like, can we broaden, can we, like, uh, not broaden, what's the word? Can we pinhole this perspective a little bit more? Um, so you want me to make it a more concentrated question? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, make it more concentrated. Okay. I'm sure a lot of this stuff, I think. So, like, what are your views on blah, 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 like, that kind of situation? Um, If that's what feels good, I'm not gonna knock it. You feel me? Like it's just you're not supposed to like back in the nineties, you wasn't supposed to do that. I love it. If I'm here for that being <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I see people write about that all the time, right? They're like, You can't have an Adidas with a Nike with a da 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 da. You're speaking to somebody who like was obsessed with Old Navy for decades. <laughs> it felt like, but like, yes, I wore Adidas and Nikes and Vans and Converse's. I was really like my sneakers were very important to me, but I never really wore a lot of stuff with like that was labeled like Adidas or Nike or. I remember I, mean, I got into the Averex thing when it was a thing. Like I was on it. Ooh. I was like, okay, like not the jeans or anything, of course, but like the shirts. And I had like these blue sliding Averexes. I really like sneakers that a lot of people didn't have. Like I was like, ooh, look at these slip on Averex sneakers. About to get them, like that kind of situation. <laughs> like <laughs> those sound so extra. They you were, and I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Sneaker slides. Sneaker slides. It was like. I to Google that now. It was great. Not right, right now, but later. It was like I had this baby blue Averex t shirt with the Averex baby blue and navy slip ons. They was lit. <laughs> but yeah, I do often hear about like don't mix the brands. What do you feel like really like, like, is it, why is that like don't, uh, no, like, definitely don't do that 
You know, it's really funny because normally I'm not that person. Like, if yeah. you want to mix plaids and stripes and, and it looks fly and you and you can do that, yeah, then, then I'm a fan. Do that. Um, That's patterns, like, though, right? Ex, ex, yeah, it doesn't have to be. Like, I, I also come from a grunge background. Like, I'm about the funky grunge look. Like, you can be fly with it. That's cool. Yeah. But... When I, I just remember, like, for me, it's the same thing. Like, I never really wore stuff that was super labeled. And mm-hmm. if I did wear something that was super labeled, it was because I was like, man, I fuck with this brand. Mm-hmm. Like, like this, th- I fuck with this brand. And so for me, like, I never wanted to be, like, a, like a, a model or a sales rack for somebody. Yeah. You know? No, I and feel so it. When, but when you're, like, doing... If you're wearing Nikes and you're wearing Adidas and you're wearing, you know, Jordans and this is like you got Adidas pants, a Nike jacket and some Jordans on, right? Like you're saying a lot of different things about yourself. But and I don't know if I wait, can isn't you, Jordan like, under Nike though? It is, but <laughs> check this out, right? Because Jordan is like the Cadillac of shoes, right? That's a, a grown ass shoe. If you have it, it's about status, right? Whoa. That's what that's what Jordans are about. Yeah. While Jordans are about that. Like you could buy any other Nike and it's like, oh, okay, you could just be about your fitness. You could be about sports. You could be about the brand. Like yeah. whatever. And, but then there's Adidas. Adidas is the fly, like teenager version of all of that shit. You talking about the shell toes? Or just in general? I mean, in general, because okay. everybody who everybody who wore those shell toes is a grown up now who fucks with Adidas. So it's like you're still it's that child in you that's like not these shell toes. Yeah, you know, like that little person. That's who you brought with you into your Adidas dumb and your grown assness, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, if you're wearing Jordans, you're like, are you a Cadillac or are you a teenager? Like, what are you doing? Damn. Like, are you an old man? Like. Like, no offense, but I've never rocked Jordans out of my teen years. And it's not I because didn't. of my money. That's just not who I am anymore. Facts. I Well, I had one pair of Jordans. It just... I'll say this. The reason I only had one pair of Jordans was because I felt like they were basic. <laughs> and I felt like... Let me tell you why I thought they were basic. <laughs> I thought they were basic because everyone had them. And I and I was just like, no, I'm about to go and get these like knee high converses and rock the fuck out of these. Like, I'm about exactly. I never was like, I was just like, no, like I have one pair of Jordans and I remember them. I can't remember what number they are. It's like 72 numbers. But my brother was the complete opposite. He was like the kid who stood in the line, did the raffles, had like had like that new pair of Jordans, like. And I was over here like, uh, you saw them new uh, Converse's with the graffiti on the side. <laughs> like, but you're right though. Like, but there are grown people who still rock Jordans, you know. And I've found the older I get, the like. I don't really be wearing sneakers in general like that unless they converses. I'd be like, okay, let me put a little insoles in here because these things flat as hell. But other than that. Man, that is so funny. So I literally, I'm looking at like 
half of my shoe collection right now. And it's so funny. I have like three or four pairs of Doc, four pairs of Doc Martens. Yeah. Uh, a pair of Adidas and a pair of suede Converse. Mm-hmm. I feel and like all that's... my other shoes are like house shoes. That's perfect. <laughs> like winter docks, not a th- like they're once you break those boys in, they they comfortable, they real comfortable. Uh, they're everything. They're a weapon. They are. <laughs> this is facts. <laughs> like I might have to kick you. You know. You never away. know. You never know. Like <laughs> we're out here in the Bay Area. You might catch a needle in your boot. It's all good. You hey, got your boot. Exactly. And <laughs> I can't take the needle in the boot. No. I'm just saying, I mean, but I, it is what I, it I is. The, I used to work in the city. Mm-hmm. So. I feel it. Back. No, I hear you. I think that was a great thing to talk about. That's like, not a mainstream. That's like what the mainstream. No, for real though. No, that's perfect. Right. Because Seriously. I mean, brands and 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 clothes and shoes are such an expression of people's personality. And you're like, oh, I know what type of person you is. You like to mix Nikes and Adidas. Right. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I love it. I mean, I, man, I used to be so, just to think about it, being young and especially being at an art school, like, I was like so into like, my sneaker collection and like was it gonna make a statement was it gonna like you know what i mean like oh man i could get them just them regular vans but i could get the ones that flip over and unzip like you know what i mean like how extra do i want to be how extra do i want to be and i always wanted to be extra with the footwear (laughs) hilarious I did like Dunks though. Dunks were like if I had to pick a ninety, I mean like a a Nike brand, it would definitely be Dunks. You know, okay, this is gonna be so basic, but I don't even care. If I had to pick a Nike, mm-hmm. it'd probably be Cortez's. Uh, but Cortez's are good. It's such a West Coast thing, though. I it know, is. I it's know. such a West Coast thing, especially LA. Valley all day, right? Yeah. Valley all day. Man, I mean, but Cortez's, I remember when they were like, uh, like when, like in the 90s where they was at that height, like that peak peak and everybody was sporting them. It's so funny to even think about. So, you know, I, I work in education and when I was in the Bay, even in LA, I would, when I'd be with middle schoolers, I'd be like, Man, she used to have used to have Tim's. No, they don't even call them Tim's. What do they say? What do they call them? Timberlands or something? They probably say the whole thing. And I used to just, I used to just laugh because I'm like, if you knew the region I'm from, like, I'm from New York State. If you didn't have a pair of Tim's and you was from New York State, listen, you had to have a pair of white ups. And a, those were your basic, like, even though I liked all of the. Your your bottom line shoe that you had everybody had to have was a pair of white ups and some constructs. That's what we called the wheat colored um, Timberlands or Tims. We just call them Tims. And it, like that type of stuff is like so regionally important. And then now to see it spread, where like people are like, "Yeah, I got a pair of Tims." It it freaks me out because I'm just like, wait. 
people are getting into these now like it's great yeah I know films have gotten real cute and real popular yeah it's really it's so interesting because like me like growing up that was your staple shoe like if you live in New York State and you ain't have a pair of Tim's like you had to get them a fresh pair for when you started school and then after Christmas you had to get another pair you had to have your Tim's and people wear them in the summer too with shorts crazy yeah like what what are you doing it's hot out here but you got your tims on though <laughs> why are you just out here that's like uh i remember back in the 90s it was that she's it was like like what was it the uh the outfits they were like a, a, a suede like tracksuit yeah or something like that plush yeah plush like tracksuit and i just velour that's what it was velour. oh my gosh not velour, velour. Not the velour yes. suits. Oh, but like, Lord. you know, I'm from Sacramento originally, right? Yeah. So we have the state fair every year, and I can't tell you how many men you see up there trying to be cute, just sweating, <laughs> wearing full-on velour in 100 degrees. <laughs> but you cute. But you hot. That's so funny. I mean, like, but I think that goes as far as just talking about how far, especially black people will go to express them th- themselves Man. through clothes, like our clothes. Like that's also a part of like artist healing too. Like we feel like we gotta be an art piece oh my God. through our clothes. Like we like, You're listen. to the person who is a walking art piece every time they walk. I love door. it. I love that. That's something I love so much about black people. They be like, where are you going? Oh, to the corner store. You got a whole like. I, I just wanted to be cute <laughs> at the corner store. This is how I needed to express myself today. Yeah, it's hot out, but I needed to wear this velour suit. It was an expression of how I was feeling, I how fly I wanted to be. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness, a mess. <laughs> All right, so we're going into the what it is segment. So what it is, we basically just talk about um, current events. And the current event and, and topic right now is you know coronavirus and i guess everyone that i've asked about this they have their own takes on it so i mean what are your thoughts around this time in our in our lives and so many people's lives around the world currently um well first of all i will say i think it's super unfortunate that uh that this is like becoming as devastating as it is mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's being impacted by so many people all over the world uh and their lives are being impacted by it i will say um a large part of me does believe that this is much needed time for all of us um mm-hmm. you know i've noticed that a lot of people who i know have a really hard time with this quarantine um and specifically because they have not had freedom to sit in their house for longer than a week mm-hmm. in in their adult life. Like, I was telling my housemate, it feels like summer vacation. Mm-hmm. But I can't, I'm not allowed to go outside. Yeah. 
which like yeah, I don't like both of my parents worked as a kid, so uh, summer vacation literally meant you're not allowed to go outside because I'm not home. Sister. Exactly, you mm. are at home all day. Don't go outside. Don't open the door for nobody. Don't answer the phone unless you see the caller ID says it's me. <laughs> wow. Um, sit in there and take care of yourself, and that's what my summer vacation was. Sit in there and take care of yourself. So yeah. I had like routines through the day as a child you know mm-hmm. um and they like are really helping me right now actually they're really mm-hmm. rooting me in my presence in in this what I'm calling my healing stay at home because mm-hmm. I get up in the morning I have breakfast with my housemates we take turns um making breakfast uh they'll go off and do you know, whatever they need to do. We actually have, like, a week schedule, and I'm like, it's not, like, finite or anything, but, like, mm-hmm. one of us work, one of us works from home, and uh, the other one, uh, it doesn't have a job right now, so they have their schedule, and I usually will go and paint for, a, you know, two hours, and then I'll, like, try to do some exercising, and then I'll go outside and work in the garden, mm-hmm. and then we'll make lunch together. Um you know, sometimes we barbecue, we have a bunch of games we play, but, like, it's really, like, a time where we're, like, we have to be community-minded and oriented together, mm-hmm. you know? Um, this is what I have to share, this is what, what you have to share, and we're willing to share that together, and, you know, luckily for me, I have a backyard and a front yard, so for me, growing plants is, like, such a healing process. Mm-hmm. Um, before we started talking about how you had, you miss your plants, um, and so, like, you know, for me, like, part of my everyday healing practice is making art, making food, sharing it with my housemates, so mm-hmm. being communal about it, and then, like, growing plants. So I have, like, potatoes I'm trying to grow. I have, um, you know, lettuce and, like, you know, greens and tomatoes and yeah. peppers I'm trying to grow. And um, it's also about, like, I'm here every day. You know, you don't, most people don't get the opportunity to be home every day. And I know a lot of people are stressed out about money and a lot of other things, but they also do have the opportunity to be home, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So it's good to like root yourself in some things that are going to be there and that you can see grow and you can help them along when, when you are present and Mm -hmm. you can continue those healthy things back into your life to help ground you when you are back at work also, you know? Yes. Um, And also, too, I'm lucky to be in the Bay Area. There are a lot of resources here that people don't necessarily know about. There's a lot of resources for parents who have to stay at home and take care of their kids. Um, There's a lot of resources for artists. You know, I've been trying to apply for grants. Some Mm -hmm. of them are are accessible. Some of them are not as accessible. you know, there's a lot of different community organizations. I'm actually really helpful, uh, happy for people who, like you mm-hmm. who have been super helpful, like with the virtual dance parties. Um, you know, there's all these DJs. Like I was telling Quelly did a DJ set, DJ Nice. Or yeah. DJ nice did a oh, DJ yeah. Set. It was so good, too. Oh. Yeah. Like, it's just nice to be able to, like, uh, you know, hop on live with some people that you haven't really seen or talked to in a mm-hmm. while and just like you know connect in another way so I really like am just gonna and 
encourage people to stay empowered in trying to stay connected and mm-hmm. to try to stay hopeful. This is like kind of a challenge, you know? It like is. a challenge for you to not go crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so, think yeah. for me, like, I definitely agree and think was thinking a lot about, like, the stuff that we start now are the things that we can try to continue and creating and developing and growing and unlearning some things too, right? What does it look exactly. like? What does our existing community look like? This is exposing that. And then what things we need to unlearn or bring into focus, you know, like, even after this, like, the fact that, you know, this is getting more conversation driven around, like, young people and schools and houseless people and, um, like senior citizens and indigenous people and our earth and nature like these are conversations that yes yeah, select few of people come on and talk about and like focus on but now i feel like it's becoming a broader all of those things are becoming a broader conversation and uh-huh. people who probably never even took the time to think about it or focus on you know what it looks like in other communities and especially communities that are marginalized are now having to kind of sit down and think about those things and see how they impact them and how it impacts all of us, you know? Um, And not just like this individualized kind of lifestyle that we've all been kind of living in. Not all of us, but... A good chunk of us, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy certain things are being lifted. I'm happy people are getting to, like, really appreciate what it means to, like, be outside and, like, you know, sometimes you need to, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And, you know, it's... I've been talking to a lot of people and it seems like a lot of people are refocusing themselves in a way that I think is going to be much more helpful once we all get out of quarantine. Yeah. For sure. We all need that for sure. Mm -hmm. Like we all totally need to like reshift and refocus. Honestly, the world needs to like reshift and refocus. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's interesting, too, because I'm, I'm really happy about all the things this is bringing to light right now. You know, we're mm-hmm. seeing how our government feels about us. 